watching online, you. Right there at your home, you. I'm, I'm talking to you. And you up there, up top, you. And some of you watching on vacation, someone was watching from Cancun, and I'm wondering why I'm not watching from Cancun. <laughs> I'm talking to you. And you down here up front. You guys that are here for the first time. You guys that watch every week. You that's out of state. You guys that come every single Sunday. Been here every week since we've been open. All of you. You weren't made for you. You weren't made just for you. Now, I don't mean that you're not special. You're special. You're really, really special. But you're not a trophy. You weren't made just for you to just sit on a shelf and be pretty. You and I, no, we're not trophies. We're more like garden tools. Trust me on this. Trust me on this. If you're new here, we're so glad that you came today. We're so grateful that you, you've joined us. What a crazy season that the world is in. Churches are slowly opening back up. Uh, we're just in our fourth week of being opened back up from worship. We've, there's more of you watching at home than are in the room. It's still kind of a weird season. But if you haven't been a part, if you haven't been watching or you haven't been here for this series, uh, we're talking about what it means to be essential. And that word caught our attention, caught the, the hearts of a nation three months ago, right? And we begin to think about what this word means. And so I felt led to, to talk about what it means that we're essential because we're made in the image of God. What it means for us to be essential. We talked about we're essential because the psalmist says that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made woven together by God. We're essential because the apostle Peter wrote that, but in Christ, we are all a royal priesthood and that we are in him God's chosen people, special people, his people. And last week, we talked about how as God's people that we are called to make sure that we see every single person on the face of planet Earth, no matter how different they are than us, in that same way, that we make sure that they know that they are essential too. So for the last, and, and man, isn't that important in the world we live in right now? Don't we need the church to be the people right now to look all across this broken and scattered world and look in the eyes of every person, no matter their background, no matter where they're from, and say, you are special. Even if you're different from me, you're essential. You're made in the image of God. So we have focused on individuality, but to, on kind of ourselves. But today, I wanna, I wanna turn the page to not just how special you are and I am and you are, but how we are called to share our special gifts with the yous all around you. Because here's the thing about this term, essential. Boy, we, we internalized it, didn't we? Did you? I mean, did you feel that way? We, we took it when the press started using this word and when the government started using this word about who could and who couldn't go to work, we internalized it about our own personhood, our identity, 
our self-worth, and maybe you felt that way, or whether you could or couldn't open your business, whether you should or shouldn't go to work, maybe you still even feel that way, and then all the tension that has come up over the last couple of weeks over uh, it, un trying to understand racial reconciliation, it's even made it more complex about what it means that we're all essential. We internalized it. But that's why I led, feel led to teach this series, because in the kingdom of God, we believe that our self-worth is divinely given. That a, a state government can't say you're essential, but you're non-essential. God says we're all essential. And in the chaos of these times, we need to be reminded more than ever that we were essential the day God formed us in the depths of the earth. But the interesting thing about this personalized message that we all took to heart of this language essential was that it was never meant to be personal, right? It really had something to do more with your skills and what you offer society. In fact, a definition of essential, if you look it up, is absolutely necessary. And it was never supposed to be about your inward self-worth. It was supposed to be about whose gifts and whose skills, whose work was essential to us functioning as a society, Who, whose worth and whose whose work was absolutely necessary for us to do life. And the, it, it, it completely disregarded the hierarchy, didn't it? Executives, executives were told, stay home. We don't need you. But hourly workers at grocery stores and sanitation departments and at car mechanics, they were told, you've got to work. We can't function without food. We can't function without, well, gosh, we need every place to be spick and span clean right now, don't we? We can't function without our cars working for those essential workers to get to work. Doctors and nurses, some of you might even be watching on your break right now in the medical field. Doctors and nurses were absolutely necessary at the hospitals, but the president and the CEO of the healthcare system, hey, buddy, hey, ma'am, you can stay home. <laughs> we gotta have the doctors and nurses here. It was an interesting kind of thing, the way, the way this worked. But what's different about the kingdom of God? You see, the world said that you were deemed necessary based on your skills, or you were deemed non-essential based on your skills. And it's different in the kingdom of God is God says everyone, not only their personhood, not only their, their, their actual self-worth is necessary, God says that all of our skills are necessary in Christ and no one can stay on the sidelines. None of us in this room and none of you watching at home can stay on the sidelines. We're, what God wants to do in the world can't happen right. It can't function right if we stay on the sidelines because the work of God never stops, even in quarantine. God is still moving, and you're still needed to do something. In fact, there will never come a time when your gifts and your skills and your talents aren't needed in the kingdom of God because here's what I want you to know. God didn't make you on accident. Did you know that? You were made on purpose for a purpose. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And he made you, and, and this is the really cool thing. 
He made you different than the person sitting two rows in front of you because we're skipping every other row. He made you different than the person sitting next to you on the couch or on the beach in Cancun where we want to be. He made you different from the person sitting up there and up there he made you different from the person sitting down here. He intentionally made you and I different. He made it so that you do this well over here, but you over here, you don't do that so well. You do this well. That was on purpose. We were made not to be the same, but actually to be different. The Apostle Paul um, wrote a couple letters to a church in a community called Corinth. We call those letters 1st and 2nd Corinthians. And they were a mess. That's why Paul wrote two letters. One didn't do the trick. They were a mess. They struggled with their differences. They struggled with this. Let me just cover, tell you a couple of the topics that Paul covered in 1st Corinthians. They were divided over leaders. They had the worst moral failure between church members you could possibly imagine. Just in your mind, imagine the worst moral failure that could ever happen. They, that happened with them. They had lawsuits between fellow believers. People were bringing food sacrificed to idols to worship. People were arguing over the Lord's Supper and how you should dress in worship. It was worse than bonkers. They were diverse, and, and the problem was is that their diversity and their differences highlighted all of these kind of divisions. They were diverse in age. They were diverse in race. They were diverse in that they had some people who had been God-fearers their entire lives and had been grown-up Jewish and had a deep and profound love and respect for the Hebrew Scriptures, and then they had others who had grown up in pagan families. And I mean that just like in the purest sense of the word. They had no context for God, no belief in God, and no understanding of the Hebrew scriptures at all. They had single people and married people. Paul spends several paragraphs talking about how single people should act in the church and how married people should act in the church. That all these differences. But then Paul, after addressing all of those, he zeroes in on a message, and here's the messages. Your differences are a feature, not a bug. Your differences are actually an asset and not a sticking point. So listen, listen to what he says. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you got your Bibles there at home and you're watching and, and you're opening up your Bible there or here you got your phone or whatever it is there. I want you to listen to what he says. There are, just every time it says different and same, would you just read it with me and do the same at home? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. You're different. Newsflash. You're different. You have different skills. You, you, have, you have different mindsets. You're good at that. You're good at this, and I'm good at something over here. 
We're different. You look different. How you feel is different. How you respond is different. What you think is different. But all those different things come from where? The same God. Actually, when you put all the differences together, you begin to look a little more like God because this same God is the source of all these different gifts. Your differences, Paul says then, are a gift to the world. They're a gift to the world. Now, I've asked some young people to come help out with uh, some, to help me explain this better, okay? How to explain this gift from God. And this truly is a present, so if they're gonna, they're gonna come, on, come on down, we had a few of them sitting in the top deck so they could just make a long walk there. There we go, yeah. So, <clears throat> it's like a present, but, but these, this gift is, is a pres like a present you've never got. Guys, come on up, let's give these teenagers a hand, yeah. Now, let's have just stand right up here, stand right up, let's get two of you over there on that side of the TV, let's social distance. I know teenagers don't believe in that right now, but it's okay. I'm related to this one so I can touch him and it's okay. Uh, Y'all spread out a little bit. Okay, so I've got my social distance. Spread out, spread out just a little bit, okay? All right, I've got my social distance mic. You like this? Isn't this good? All right, so tell everybody your name and I want you to tell them, because we're gonna explain how this is so different than any gift you've ever gotten, okay? Uh, Tell them your name. I'm Cameron. Cameron, and what's the best gift you've ever gotten? The best gift? Um, I would say, a home. A home? Mm-hmm. That's so good. That makes mom and dad so proud. <laughs> Are you gonna tell everybody your name? Lindley. Lindley, what's the best gift you've ever gotten? Um, my cat. Your cat. What's your cat's name? His name is Stu. Sue? Stu. S-T-U. S-T-U. I thought you said his name was Sue, and there was a country song about that a long time ago <laughs> about a boy named Sue, but his name's Stu. All right, can you tell us? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, here. You tell your name? I'm Morgan. Yeah, what's the best gift you've ever gotten? Probably a pool. A pool? You should have said car, but don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> can you tell everybody your name? My name's Matthew. Matthew, what's the best present you ever got? Probably my computer. Your computer? Yeah. What, you, what kind of computer you got? It's a desktop. A desktop? I mean, what, what kind? HP. HP? Pavilion. Your PC guy? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still a PC guy. That's all right. Uh, my name is James, and the best gift I've ever gotten was my Holy Bible. Your Holy Bible. Let's see. James, you get to pick candy first, all right? <laughs> what you want? You get candy? You get that? Which one do you want? You go last because you're a preacher's kid. <laughs> yeah, it's your turn. Yeah. Your Snickers. Get Snickers. There you go. All right. All right. So y'all stay there. Y'all stay there. Okay. We're gonna. I don't need your help. What if that gift that you got, your home, your, a computer, man, it's a computer. That's a really good one. But your parents or your grandparents gave you this gift, and they said, "Hey, here's this gift for you, but it's not really for you. I'm giving it to you, but it's actually for everybody else." 
Well, you'd be like, well, Grandma, what? I don't understand. You'd be like, I, but I need the computer for me. No, the computer, I'm giving you the computer, but it's actually for all your classmates to use. You see, we think gifts are about us. But listen to what Paul says. Stay here. You guys are doing good. I'm going to need your help in just a second. Paul said it this way. He said, now to each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit or the gift you've been given is given for the common good. The word here in the, the King James says profit with all. And there were two words for profit that are often used in the Greek in the New Testament. The first one is this word called ophelio, which means usefulness or advantageous. When Jesus made the quote and he said, what good is it for a man to profit or gain the whole world but lose his soul? When the Pilate was about to figure out if he was going to free Jesus or Barabbas right before the crucifixion, the Roman governor Pilate, it says when it saw that it was no profit to him, to free Jesus, it was no gain. It's a selfish word. It's about me. That's not the word that Paul uses. He uses the word simpharo, which means to bear with, to carry burden. That your gifts are actually not given for you, for your profit. Your talent, your skills, everything that God's gifted with you, you with, God did not give them to you to, to make success, to climb the ladder, to make money, to be advantageous for yourself, to become famous, to become, get the best job you could ever get. He did not give you your, those gifts for you. He gave them for the common good, to profit all people, to profit everybody, and they're all necessary. Let me explain. All right, so the, the metaphor that Paul uses to describe all of us is, the, is a body, to describe Christians as a body. He calls the church the body of Christ. So I'm going to give these guys a body part, all right? Do you want to look? It almost matches your shirt. That's pretty cool there, man. All right. And so we know that the body is kind of a, a, a complicated thing, right? Your eye sees something and your hand just kind of knows how to grab it, doesn't it? Or uh, you... You smell something, and it sends signals to your eyes about what you're about to see. You can walk into a room and smell Italian cooking, and it's pizza or pasta, and you, it's already telling your mind and your eyes what you're about to see. They, they work together in a very complex way, and we all need each other, but they're all a little different. Listen to the way Paul describes it. Okay, do you know what you have? So when it's your turn, when you see the word, I just want you to hold it up, okay? All right, you guys are doing great. This is what, the way Paul says it. He says, now, if the foot should say to the hand, should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body because we can't walk on our hands, right? We need to walk on our feet. The skin on our feet's a little tougher, the, the, our, our, our muscles in our feet are a little stronger. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body because you need to be able to hear and eyes can't hear. And if the whole body were an eye, well, you would look really freaky. Where, right? Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, 
where would the sense of smell be? You couldn't do it all together, right? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts. Hold them all up. And they form one body. Wouldn't it be weird if you were just one body part? Wouldn't it be weird if all of us in the church were exactly the same? Wouldn't it be weird if we thought exactly alike, if we looked exactly alike, if we had the same skills and talents that were exactly alike? Wouldn't it be weird? All I could think about when I, when I read the scripture this week, all I could think about was we would look something like this, the hamburger helper man. Does he freak anybody else besides me? I mean, he, he kind of freaks me out. Hey, guys, y'all did an awesome job. Thank you so much. Y'all can just lay those down. And you can, you can eat your candy there uh, when, you, when you head back to your seats. This is what Paul says next. As it is, there are many parts. There's all kinds of parts, and there's more than just the foot, the hand, the the nose, the eyes, the ear, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We can't say to people in the body of Christ that are different than us, I don't need you. This is why diversity in the church body is so crucial. Because God needs all kinds of people to accomplish his purposes. God needs all races. God needs all ages. God needs all ways of thinking. God needs all kinds of talents. The world screams on social media, you ought to be this way or you ought to be that way. The, the beauty of the body of Christ is that we are all sorts of ways, but we are one in Christ. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? If we were all so different at Mountaintop that people around the city would look at us and say, y'all are all so different. Everybody, everybody that I know votes this way, but everybody, and then, but then there's this other group that votes that way, or everybody over here hangs out with people that look this way, but, and then there's other people that hang out with people that look that way. I don't understand it. Y'all are all so different. Y'all think so differently. You vote differently. You look differently. You're different ages. How in the world do y'all all get along? And you're like, I know it's awesome. There's only one reason, because we are one in Christ. You see, you look at that and say, that's a bug, that's, that's going to be a struggle, and we look at it and say, oh, no, 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 it's a gift. It's a gift, because we are one in Christ. Now, something happens in the nature of worship, uh, because of the nature of worship in church. When we start thinking about this, about, you're like, well, what can I be, I mean, what can I offer, Carter? Right, that's what you're thinking. Because one of the ways that we have structured church makes this, a, makes this a problem. For instance, in worship, we elevate teaching and singing. So all of a sudden, it, it makes us think that, that those positions are more important in the church body. But no matter how good you sing or preach, it doesn't matter if your microphone
We need all kinds of people. If your microphone doesn't work. Did y'all know down here, y'all probably don't know this, we have these things called confidence monitors. If you never come up front, you don't know this. There's TVs so that our singers get the words right when they sing. Or Chris doesn't forget to make an announcement. Or, or whoever. Um, it tells me the next slide that's coming up. It's really important that they're right. Somebody's got to make sure that the words are right, that the sentences are right on the confidence monitors. Uh, somebody's got to uh, make sure that the camera shots are right or that the live stream button gets pushed. Somebody has got to make sure that the sound is right and that the place is sanitized. Do you, are, do you want to be confident that you walked in this morning and that the building was sanitized? That's a little more even important than the sermon these days, isn't it? You wanted to make sure you walked into a clean place. There are a million things that have to happen. We even have online hosts who aren't even here. They're watching online, but they're engaging with everyone, all of you that are watching online. There are a million things that have to happen, and I know this is hard to believe, but one day we will have kids' ministry again. Yeah, yeah. One day, one day we'll have coffee again. Yeah, yeah. We clap more for coffee than kids. That's okay. We, I mean, it's another sermon for another day. We'll shake hands and hug. And here's what I want to tell you. One day, when, think, when we, there are more people in the room that are watching online and things are a little back to normal-ish, here's what I want you to know. The sermon starts in the parking lot. And the moment people drive up, we are preaching a sermon what they experience in the parking lot. Were there signs out? Was there somebody to smile and greet them when they walk in? Did somebody look like they were genuinely happy for them to be here? Was it chaotic checking their kids in or was it smooth and easy because we had plenty of volunteers to walk them through the computer system? Did their kids walk into a room with, some, with a one teacher and 20 kids and it looks like pandemonium or were there plenty of volunteers in the room and it looked like their kids were gonna have a great time? Was the coffee good? Was it strong? Was it hot? Was there somebody there to serve them and greet them? When they walked in, was the music playing at just the right level? Were the words actually spelled right on the screen? Did somebody help them find a seat if they didn't know where to find a seat? How did it sound? How did the microphone sound? Was the band, did they look like they had practiced before they came in? All of those things preach a sermon before I ever step on stage. And I want you to know that if all I did was step on stage and preach a sermon, no one would come. Because the parking lot and the kids' ministry and the coffee and the music and the lyrics and all of it is just as important. In fact, here's what I believe. That the messages we preach without words are as important as the messages with words. And that ministry extends beyond the parking lot. It doesn't just end when we say amen. It extends when people are cared for in small groups or they're taking a meal when somebody has surgery or somebody in their small group goes to visit them in the hospital or calls them when they lose a loved one and, and loves on them and cares for them or writes them a note of encouragement because they know they've been having a hard week. Those are messages that are often without words and they're not a sermon that we exposit from a stage, but they are messages that are just as important than the ones that I preach or Jake or Ben preach up here on this stage. 
Without the message God's put in you, the gift that you've been given to share, church doesn't work. We need each other to accomplish God's mission. The world said that some gifts are essential to society and others are not essential. But God says, I'm not even worried about essential. All of your skills that I put in you, all of the gifts that I put in you are eternal. What I have been given to you is for the profit of the whole world. And this is what God would say. Every person has an eternal purpose. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Every single person. You've got a role in the cosmic work of God to bring his kingdom into reality. I just want you to think about that. Your calling doesn't necessarily have to be your job. You've got a calling in the body of Christ. It might be volunteering downstairs with kids. It might be holding a sign in the hot sun with a mask on. And the sweat's like running down in the mask. But you got a mask, that, the sign that says, I'm smiling behind this mask. That might be part of your calling because you just have the gift of hospitality. God says, I need you and I created you with a purpose. And if you sit on the sidelines, the body of Christ won't work like it's supposed to. It's easy. It's easy to just come to church. It's easy to look at our staff and say, hey, don't we pay y'all to do ministry? I'm just going to come sit and watch. Or I'm just going to log on and watch. I mean, I'm in the audience. Isn't that enough? Here's what I want to tell you. Your purpose is bigger than being in an audience. Church is not an audience. And if you're new to church or you're new to this church, and I, I don't know what you think about church, but I hope this changes what you think about church for the rest of your life. Church is more than being in an audience, whether it is in person or online. The stats are starting to tell us this. It's really interesting that when COVID hit and every church in America went online, churches of all sizes skyrocketed in viewership. Because people were home, people were hungry for some hope, right? You remember, you remember those early days and the uncertainty and the anxiety that we all felt? And churches of all sizes were reporting that they were having two to three times as many people watch, in, watch online as they were having worship in person before, just a week or two before. And then something happened. And churches, we worked hard. We got to put out content, put out content, put out content. We became this digital production company. And then something happened. In fact, by the end of May, Barner Research Group, who does a lot of religious studies in America, uh, did a poll and found that by the end of May, 48% of churchgoers said they had not watched a service in four weeks. Because we all had to figure out something. When all we had to do was watch church, we figured out church is more than watching. But here's a little clue, because if you're watching online, I don't want you to feel bad because people have been watching church in person for a long time. Church is more than an audience. 
You were given a ministry. You were given something to do. It's more than just experiencing. It is engaging in the body of Christ. And when we have this kind of understanding, when we say, I am in and I am going to do my part and I am going to play my role and I am not just going to log on and watch and I am not going to just come and watch. I am going to do my part in the body of Christ. You begin to see everyone and everything differently. Listen to how Paul says, like if you will just embrace your different gifts, here's how this will change you. You see, the world looks at our differences and it divides us. Have you noticed that? I don't know if anybody's noticed the last couple of weeks, but the world is divided over our differences. Conservatives, liberals, the world is divided over whether you think this way or that way. The world is divided over black, white, Asian, Hispanic, younger, old. No, no. Paul says there should be no division in the body, but its parts should have equal concern for one another. Because the hand doesn't say to the eye, I don't need you. Because if I don't have the eye, I don't know what to grab, what to touch. Because the foot can't say to the ear, I don't need you. We're made to be different. We're not made to be all the same. There's no division in the body. So when we walk into the church, we check our labels at the door. Because we embrace black, white, Asian, Native American, Hispanic, young, old, conservative, liberal, because we're one in Christ. There's no division. Because I, need, because I need people that don't look like me, who don't think like me, because I need you to reach people who look and think like you. And we can't reach Birmingham, and we can't reach the world if they all look like me. There's no division. And then he says, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And man, this ought to hit us the last three months. If people are sick with COVID and suffering, we suffer with them. If our healthcare workers are exhausted, and maybe some of you are watching right now on your break, we suffer with you. If small business owners are having to cut back and lay people off and they're losing money or they're going bankrupt or they're closing their business, we want you to know something. We suffer with you. If the black community is mourning over a senseless death, we suffer with you. If peaceful police officers are struggling and concerned about what people will think about them just because they wear a uniform and have a badge, we suffer with you. Because we are in this together in the body of Christ. We're connected. And Paul closes and says, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. You are. You are. You are. You are. You're part of the body of Christ. And you are born with a purpose. Every person has an eternal purpose in the church. 
every person. People sometimes ask me, Carter, what's your vision for Mountaintop? Well, it's, it's not just one thing, but here's one thing, that every person would find their purpose that every person would find that they would that every person in our church and in our ministry would say that you know I have a day job but my purpose is that I teach second graders on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock I have a day job but my purpose is making sure that every person that gets a cup of coffee on Sunday mornings is the best cup of coffee they get all week I want to be better than Starbucks my purpose is making sure that camera angle is just right because I know there is somebody else on the other side of that camera watching for the first time. See, here would be my dream. Here would be my vision that we wouldn't rewrite the Great Commission because oftentimes we rewrite Jesus' command to us to go ye therefore and just be disciples. But Jesus never said to go and be disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. And my vision is that every single one of us would be on purpose living to make disciples because eternity hangs in the balance. So this is a really tangible and like practical to close today. There's four ways I want you to begin to think about this. I want you to think about what can you do on campus right now? Is there a way that you can serve? Do you want to be one of those people holding a sign, wearing a mask outside? Could you be somebody helping get somebody in? Maybe you could help with the AV and the video team. Hey, this is, we were a little slow getting on Facebook this morning. You know why? Because Jake uh, Davis, who is our media pastor, he's on vacation this week. And we got two of our volunteers, Joe and Chubikay. They were scrambling back there. Praise God, Joe and Chubikay, for getting it, getting it going. Thank you, guys. But if you've got video and tech, we need more people like that to be involved. Because it'd be really great if Jake could go on vacation. Don't you think? Right? It'd be really great. There's so many things you can do on campus right now. There's things you can do at home right now. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm watching. I'm at home. What do I do? Do you have a phone? You can call members. We can give you a list of people just to call and check on. We can give you a list of people to write notes to. We can have all, there's so many things that you can do. You can be on our prayer team at home. I think prayers work from home. I'm not totally sure our prayer works, but I'm pretty sure they work from home. And in the community. You can do something in the community. You can do something in your neighborhood. And there's an incredible way for all of us to do it this year, and that's VBS. Some of you think, I don't have kids. Here's the cool thing about this year. You don't have to have kids to do VBS. Do you have some children that live near you? Just like grab them up, tell their parents you're going to take them for three hours a day. They'll be like, trust me, I'm a parent. They'll be like, okay. Are you going to feed them too? You can pick up, you can do VBS on your own. If you're watching from out of state, here's what I want to invite you. You can do Focus Our Mountaintop VBS out of state in your community this year. You can partner with us. You can partner with us to be a part of our church digitally because here's what I've learned during COVID, that this is bigger, this is bigger than just Birmingham. 
And we want to invite you to be a part of our digital church, no matter where you're watching from. And then here's the other thing I want you to do. I want you to pray about the future. One day things will be back to normal. And all of our serve teams will be open. And I want you to pray about what your purpose might be. And you can sign up for all of these at mountaintopchurch.com backslash serve. Sometimes we come down here to pray. Sometimes we, we close with something a little more spiritual. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to challenge you to go home and log on and say, how am I going to use my gift? To go home and pray about God, how am I going to use my gift? And if there's something you, that you're good at that you don't see, you contact one of our staff and say, I've got a gift to share, and I want to use it for the glory of the kingdom of God because God made me on purpose and for purpose. Heavenly Father, thank you that you made us different. God, forgive us when we, when we act like that's a, when we act like there's something wrong with that. We need all of us. And in the world right now, God, the world needs to see a church that is united in Christ, full of diversity in every way, with people with different skills and talents and backgrounds and everything, united on one mission, that we are all in the disciple-making business. God, forgive us for when we sit and just watch. Help us to find a way to serve. And we ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name.